Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Reef There Podcast. My name is Pagan, and joining me as always is my co-host Dan. Hello, Dan. What's up, visual listeners? What's up, visual listeners? We got and something Halo very friends. Uh, yeah, and Halo friends. <laughs> Halo friends. I hope you're all fucking listening to this. Halo friends. We are going to be talking about Halo once again. We are. We are. We've got a very special episode today. We're going to be talking to Giovanni Lipari, um, who or Lipari, Lipari, Lipari. Lipari. Sorry, Giovanni. <laughs> Giovanni Lipari. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, Giovanni. We got a very special episode for you today. We're going to be joining, um, sorry, when Giovanni Lipari is going to be joining us, who is the costume designer for Halo, um, which is so special. Thank you so much to Alessio and to Drew for um, putting us all together for the Repair podcast. And I don't know, I'm very excited. What do you think, Dan? I think you're a, big, you're a bigger fan of Halo than I am. Oh, massive fan. And uh, when we get the news that we would be able to get a chance to have a chat with the costume designer from the show. I was actually amazingly excited because I am a fan of the new show. I think it looks incredible. I love the costume design, the Spartans, the Marines, everyone looks on point. So yeah, I was, I'm extremely pumped to be able to have a conversation with the man behind all of that goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I, when we got the email, we were um, doing a lot of research and like opening up IMDb and Dan was like, hey, he's done Penny Dreadful and Into the Badlands. I was like, I'm in those. Wait. <laughs> I'm like, I know. <laughs> Let me check. Um, and totally right. And I do remember meeting Giovanni before. I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but it was a very funny scenario. And the reason I remember this is because I was being fitted for a very beautifully made like handmade Italian designed costume, um, which he was a costume assistant on uh, Penny Dreadful. And we were in the costume fitting warehouse and there was a little doggy in the top end of the warehouse, which is like a little Dutch hand or a little like sausage dog, which belonged oh, to the costume designer or the costume director on the or costume designer. Um, <laughs> and it was the first time I've ever heard a dog spoken to in another language. That's why it stuck with me is because we were talking and the dog was going, yep, 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 yep. And Giovanni just turned around and went, silencio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Italian speaking doggy, how cute. Um, so the dog shut up and we got on with our, our costume. It's funny because I grew so up with my mom talking to our dogs, which when I was a kid, we had German shepherds and my mom is German and she would talk to the dogs in German. Oh, amazing. See, I've like, never had anything like that. All of the like animals that I've encountered have always obviously been in like English speaking <laughs> countries. So it was just a cool like experience and it wasn't in Italy. We were in Ireland. It was really, really cool. So I'm I'm excited to get to chat with Giovanni and um sort of get into the costume making behind behind Halo. I know that like obviously from being into the Badlands and on Penny Dreadful that the costumes are so exquisitely made. And into the Badlands, of course, was um uh, Giovanni's first costume design uh, role, a costume designer job, head designer, lead designer. How do we say that? What are they called? Hold on. Let me check. He makes costumes. 
or he helps make costumes in some form or fashion. Let me put this in so that I so that I don't mess this up. Excuse me. So of course, Into the Badlands was Giovanni's first um, role or first job as the costume designer on the whole uh, of the Into the Badlands series, and then of course now he's in um, Halo and doing costume design on that as well, which is very very cool. Um, so yeah, they're really well made, and I'm very excited to talk to him and get a peek behind the curtain, like you said, Don. Just let's, yes. let's get a peek behind the curtain of Halo. Let's go talk to Giovanni. Roll the tape. <laughs> Welcome, Giovanni, to the Replayer Podcast. Um, my name is Pagan, and that is Dan. We are co-hosts here. We do a podcast for Couch Soup, which centers around gaming and pop culture. And um, we're very grateful that you've come on to our show today to talk about Halo, the brand new series that's just launched. Thank and, you and welcome. Um, the lead costume designer, I believe, right? The costume director? Costume designer. Well, yeah. Designer? Well, yeah. This is... <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I have, to start off with, Giovanni, some very interesting slash trivia slash not trivia facts <laughs> we've actually met before ah uh, and i used to well not that i used to but i um was an actor on penny dreadful and on into the badlands spicy. and i was fitted for a beautiful beautiful handmade costume in um 2015 for penny dreadful yes by yourself which was fantastic so that's where we met the first time and then i was also in into the badlands uh, <laughs> as well in one of your beautiful designs i remember that right so um so it was world. very it was such a small world when we got the notification that you uh, that we'd have you on the podcast which was fantastic so we can dive right in how long have you been a costume designer giovanni uh, as a designer it's about six years now but it was um assisting um at the designer beforehand for a lot longer mm-hmm. but i started with badlands and um a penny dreadful was a assistant designer assistant so yes yeah learning mm-hmm. through designer then i have been doing this job long time so you you know you get all the tricks and you try to make your own happening now um i, I work with the really really amazing people that gave me a lot of background to face you know if you think badlands is a dystopian world to then go to the halo you know and then period like a, so yeah. there's a lot you know swings before like a period to then something that it doesn't exist to then a video game sci-fi thing so it's very mm-hmm. very but i could face it based on the experience i had with the great designers Good. And do you like um, that challenge of going through things like sci-fi to dystopian like um, and period pieces? Do you enjoy that challenge or is there a specific area of costume design or an era, for example, that you love to work in? I, I have to say now, yes, I do. Like it's a, it's a big change. I only thought I was going to be ready to work as, um, you know, in a costume uh, period pieces. That's what I've been doing mostly. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, out of a fact, someone, a friend of mine, said, uh, "Congratulations, being the first Italian designer working on a sci-fi show," which I never thought of that way. But uh, it's not really an Italian background. It's not a really an Italian background thing doing a sci-fi. It's like you know, most of or those beautiful production, you know, were like uh, produced in the United States. So we did not have a lot of uh, um, uh, learned, you know, learning process into it. Awesome. How did you find that, though? Did you find that challenging coming into 
um, I guess, a sci-fi space without having that previous background? Was there any specific challenges that you faced um, creatively, maybe? Was it a group thing? Did you guys have to sort of um, brainstorm a lot of costume ideas? Because there's really no reference in sci-fi other than obviously Halo with the game. Um, but in um, McKee's character, for example, where this is the first ever uh, Covenant um, human. Are you jumping ahead? I am jumping ahead, but I'm just wondering, like, there's no, there's challenges, a great challenge there, but I guess also great creativity as well, where you really do have to come up with something unique that's never been done before. Well, since Peggy is jumping in, I need, I want to piggyback on her real quick because I was <laughs> okay. telling her as the Halo fan of the, of the two of us, I was mentioning McKee's outfit and talking about how in the game's lore, there are no humans in the Covenant. So she's right. unique, and that's where I was like, I want to know how you came up with that uh, outfit and the costume designs for McKee as a human within the Covenant. And I think that's what Pagan was getting at. Yeah. This is a very interesting question, I have to say. And, and, and it's a lot easier to talk about something when the questions are um, smart and thoughtful, uh, I have to say. And it's more difficult the other way around. Um, <laughs> so I can go back to the, you know, from the beginning to get to McKee. Luckily... So the challenging of a sci-fi thing is, uh, what is it? It's something in the future, but what's the future? So we had a lot of images in background because obviously Halo exists. Something else. Uh, Halo exists, so it was easier to go look into the information we have. And that basically established the base of what that Halo sci-fi would be. So we have images of, you know, the... Um, the military thing and Marines and you know, although the Spartans, but that set how much is the future. And based on that, we could go in lower in sci in the lo-fi and then higher in sci-fi. So McKee was a product. Difficult to understand how, you know, it was uh, trying to find into the space if that was a space, what you know, the show we mm. in terms of like time, uh, finding mm -hmm. her on what level she would be and you know how Covenant and how human she would be. So we've been tracing that pretty quickly, I have to say. It, it hasn't been that difficult. Uh, but there was a very important that uh, the, um, the, the help I received and asked from the hair and makeup, uh, which I worked with constantly with, you know, mm -hmm. and that was very important to define how much of uh, alien could be into the feeling of that lady. Now, yeah. the costumes, for me, I look a lot on history. So as I have a history experience, as a you know, person worked in a period, for me, there's a lot of history. So I made the future, uh, in my head, looking a lot in the past, since a lot of beautiful things happened in the past, uh, in, a, you know, in a fashion, from the 60s to the 50s and 70s, everything. So I had the whole, I considered sci-fi this way. I have the whole history, to look into. Instead, if I did uh, 1880, I had 1880 to look at. So I look back at the whole mm. thing to then find the material that would bring us into the Hello World. So there's a lot of style, then I look back. And my key, it, there's um, a bit of um, uh, Egyptian uh, style into my mm. research. Into my, really, I had an idea and then I went research into it. She almost like, you know, like a framed into this. Um, uh, I don't know how to say in English, sarcophagus is almost like this cuff, mm -hmm. cuff you know, coffin there will be. Ah, and... yes, I know the that one makes that, perfect that sense you're referencing. To me, actually, because the... mm -hmm. a lot of people look at Egyptian culture as having a lot of almost alien influence, 
yes. and there's there's so many theories out there about like Egyptians having ties to like entities in outer space, and like, then you got like Stargate, you know, that mm-hmm. buries its lore into Egyptian culture. Correct, correct. So that's my key. But before to going back a little bit, it um, to you know how we approach to it, we received. Am I going to answer some questions uh, by saying that, and then you know can bring me back whatever you like it the most. Sure. But, for me, the most important thing is was to meet three for three, mm-hmm. which yes. had uh, something they call it the boot camp. You know, they brought us all there, and we had a twenty four hours, um, you know, uh, of information. From you know, we stayed there, uh, not twenty four hours, but we stayed there for um, you know for a long time enough to go back. I felt like drunk of the amount of info I got from them, and the uh, surprisingly, uh, they wanted us to be canon. Uh, okay. Of uh, the Spartans mm. and some of the military, uh, you know, things established in you know through uh, the video games. But they also want us, wanted us, us, say me, costume designer, production designer, the creative world, to start walking, you know, have these as a base, but then start um, deepening into what we thought was going to be the direction of the show. So surprisingly, they left us very creatively free double checking all the time you know having a confrontation and you know discussing design but they really wanted us to actually uh, develop the design and that was a big surprise uh, for me to understand that we had that much freedom um, did you feel a, a large amount of pressure though i mean obviously the spartan is iconic with halo and xbox and microsoft in general and there's a lot of fan base behind this I mean... did you feel <laughs> the heavy weight of did that affect you at all were you at all pressured about i know that they're giving you creative freedom which is like exciting and kind of nerve-wracking but did that did that make you feel any more nervous i guess that they weren't like here's how to do this that's a good question the um i feel pressure from everywhere so um okay that's right (laughs) i feel the pressure even if i don't have any so uh, by saying that i mean it could have been a lot more i for some reason i started looking at um you representing it, they're one of the biggest uh, video game ever. So uh, my creativeness, I wanted that to be about the game, not to show that I could do better. And I didn't want that either. So for me, having books and information for 343 was the base of it. I wanted actually to nail it the way they want that to be. So uh, for me, it was literally, I want to do the best to get as close as possible to what they want that mm-hmm. because they own it in meaning they own the design they own the video game and they have to you know they have to make sure the thing comes out is the you know the closest what the expectations are they as the producers but as well as you know viewers so, i can say as a fan i'm really pleased with all the designs in the show so far like everything looks and feels true to how i as a halo fan perceive yeah. it you know um, I was going to ask about you working with 343, but you already you went right in there. Like, yep, okay, cool. Great. I'm glad to hear it. And I have to say that I understood what successful people are because 343 is successful. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's Microsoft. And uh, you, you do actually learn how people who own so much power, uh, how free they can let you feel by doing something for them. It's something I've never seen it before. Usually the controlling of it, it's what it shows you how much pressure you have from mm-hmm. that they literally say, guys, this is not our business because we not do movie industry. This is your thing. And, you know, you understand you need to do it right, though. Mm. No? Right. 
freedom that you know, comes across as oh, I better do the right thing here. But that said, um, the I decided to just um, to make a prototype of this armor because it was all about that first of all. And we're talking about back to the late 2018. Uh, we didn't have any cast member, so I said we're going to hire um, guy, possibly a big muscle person, which is never going to be featured, and we're going to build. Uh, Whatever I think is going to be the proportion, because obviously a Spartan guy is like with the very long legs and is very tall. You're never going to find a person who's going to fit in the reality of the height. Mm-hmm. As I, I think you might correct me how tall they should be, seven feet something. Yeah, the Spartans are average at least, you know, seven feet or more, depending. Like if you watch any of the cuts, uh, clips, in, clips from like Halo video games, his chief is usually towering over the right. regular Marines, you know, a good two heads taller than them. So you understand that that was going to be the first challenge, more than the, the costume designing for production, finding an actor who was going to be that, like a good actor that was going to be that mm-hmm. tall. And then if you don't go that high, then everybody else is going to be like dwarf size, <laughs> you know, if you take it, you know. So they had the date. So I raise a problem that they start facing. Say, the creative, who are we going to cast to put into that big size? Mm-hmm. Make the Spartans a little lower to make the Marines a little lower, to make the regular people even lower than that. So that was the challenge they had to uh, face based on the information I give them. Long story short, we decided to make a prototype without any cast member just to establish proportion and when that big day happened before christmas 2018 i showed that thing over you know the screen we're in london doing that over zoom uh i had looked the whole you know the biggest personality across you know the world you know the other side they're looking at it and one of the final at, at the end of the conversation they said that they never seen i expected like a low load of notes you know i was really ready to just change this and that and and I heard, surprisingly, almost um, unbelievably, that this, that was the best prototype they've seen over the years by making it. That was the closest things that could have been represented uh, for the show. So they were particularly happy. There were yeah. some back. I showed them, look, here, there's some tapes. You know, we're not uh, close to it. Uh, to, but there was the first prototype. So the, um, we, found, we found we nailed it quickly into proportion. Down there was like a lot of movement restrictions that we need to go through later on. In that, like they couldn't even touch their nose if they had a an itch or something. So to so, develop that first prototype, I'm wondering how much time you actually spent researching and where you pulled from to design that first prototype. Um, they gave me um, uh, they give me a couple of um, they didn't want me to look into everything. You know, mm-hmm. there were like some design they wanted to. Well, okay. First of all, I got a, a, a 3D design of the armor. So they did okay. send me a, which you, then it needs to be developed in that. It was a 3D file, but then you need to develop into a, a person wearing it. So that was the first thing. And um, so they gave me the design and they would have gone then into the video game as well, right? Um, and then we did not receive any design for the under armor because that was meant to be a technical uh, suit. The, where you attach the part of the armor on top of it. So that mm-hmm. was a big thing on designing that part, which I have to say proudly, uh, I got so engaged into the material and the possibility of make that suit, then it was not meant to be seen that many times. But Pablo got very, very um, excited about it. And he just, um, as always happens, the cast member who makes things happening. And he, so he said, I want to use that uh, as much as possible. 
So they had to recreate when they're going to use the Spartan, you know, the Spartan, uh, the Spartan when they're going to use the Under Armour. So there was any time they were in, you know, inside, obviously never in, in the space because they need to have the armor on, but it was a ready-to-go thing. So they would be wearing that when they were in the interior. And, uh, you know, anytime they needed to have the armor, you know, uh, geared up, they would have just uh, be ready to go. In that. And so the under armor was uh, recreating the, the the shape of, a, you know, of man and a woman with a lot of power. So just putting, adding up muscle, what was needed to make them the biggest uh, and the most powerful person, really going on man and woman anatomy. That was the thing. But I got really excited into this because it was not meant to be a thing. And all of a sudden became... Uh... And so I figured, okay, then I can do this show if I can do this. Yeah. And I came because of Pablo's like insistence of having that. What did you say? So the Under Armour came more from Pablo's kind of insisting that he wants to spend more time in the Under Armour. After made that, he said, I really feel comfortable into this. And so I would like to use it as much as possible. So mm. he talked to the creative person, and they made room for that for himself nice. and all the other Spartans, um, because it was somehow su successfully uh, working and the visual, but also as an effect of seeing these people before the armor to be. So it was yeah. another that was you know introducing to the next step. So you can see them what they were under, and it, it came across as a, a successful thing. It was not meant to be. But mm -hmm. that was the, that's the creative space they leave you. They don't nice. expect to uh, this and that as long as we end up having that armor with those proportion things. And yeah. the under armor helps the armor to build even bigger, you know, to be massive and to be. And this is um, something that I didn't expect. After having worked for many months on this armor, the day they all came on set, um, the whole crew, like a great illustrations, we you know we all do work and we you know, don't pay attention to many things, but everybody kind of stopped at the at the visual of these four people came in. So when the silver team appeared, mm. big thing on set on his own. So we had a feeling that was was going to be a pretty um a a big thing then for the viewers as well because everybody stopped kind of paying attention to this massive uh, man and lady, beautiful. Um, they were gorgeous. Another thing, how to make a, a woman look like different men in that boxy armor. We need mm -hmm. it. So in the under armor, it's more defined and actually they're beautiful. Uh, and with the armor, we needed to make some tricks to make the, you know, the, the hips and the, and the waist was a little smaller and everything. And then there's the acting, but we did not know how to make that clear uh, straight away. That's interesting, as a, again, as a fan, because if in the later Halo games, when you can play the multiplayer, you can choose your Spartan and you can determine whether your Spartan is a male or female. And when you change the toggle switch, it's usually like male, female, male, female. Just the smaller like, ways. It's a waistline. That's pretty much the only real difference. Mm -hmm. But you will understand. Sorry, Gwen. No, you go ahead. <laughs> you understand that if you see the first scene and they're fighting and then go crazier and run around, you don't really understand that. At the point that uh, I knew the Halo game, but I, I, well, I didn't know that much. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, I learned a lot about it. And I learned a lot more. I'll, we'll go back to this point. I learned a lot more after I designed most of it, because then I was ready to not get attached too much. Since they gave me that creative freedom, I, did, I couldn't get attached too much to the game. So mm -hmm. I decided when it was time for me to play, which helped a lot. But uh, later on, that was my own uh, choice. But that said, I offered 
said, if we want to know who is this person, this person, the other's partner, why don't we make a, a coloring? So each of them, they have a different color armor. Subtle, but different. Which, mm-hmm. thought about it. And then they came back three for three saying that that was possibly, you might help me with that. I might say something slightly um, not canon here. I apologize. Okay. They wanted the silver team to be a silver team because those colors, they might belong to other team. Mm. Like the silver team and then another team and another Spartan team. So they're different teams and they want to make sure they weren't ready to make a decision of, of disclosing these all of, you know, all at once. Yeah, especially if they're trying to keep things canon, I could see how they want to try to simple keep things because a lot of the team members of different Spartans, they have their own unique color, but they stay like kind of within a realm of a, a hue within around that color of their team. So you understand. So this it came back with a, a something that makes sense. Every, everybody you are questioning them, they came up with a, a make sense answers, which was related to the sh- you know to their video game history. They say we yeah we can do that or let's not do that yet. You might do that later on. Mm-hmm. Room for developing seasons uh, thing. And so the viewer cool. said, "What if we know straight away who's A B C person? Right? Let's make a bit of colors." And then, so let's keep that. We'll find out later on how do we know who's so obviously Master Chief is in his canon colors and green, whether, uh, you know, the other ones are uh, like a gunmetal kind of a, a gray. And sorry, I cut you short. You had a question. No, you're okay. I was going to say, like, you had mentioned, um, you had mentioned that the, the, the cast and the crew and everything when the Four Spartans came out sort of all had a massive reaction. I wanted to, to know how has the fan feedback been for you and how has that impacted you when you've seen everybody freak out basically over these these costumes yeah. and uh well i have to say i was prepared um from three for three they considered that three and a half years ago and they told us um there are going to be a lot of people who love the game they're not going to like the message okay. the helmet off this is not going to be liked mm-hmm. there are a couple of things they're not going to be liked but we have to force that they as i say i was impressed the way uh, massive, uh, successful millionaires or billionaires or whatever you want to say, and in successful, they can actually face very difficult things by saying we need to go through that somehow because the TV show, uh, for some reason, has to disclose and reveal things. So they understood there was something they were not quite sure about because they don't do this business, but that has to be somehow for some, in some reason. Uh, you know, I need to break through. So what I read on Pablo's, uh, mainly um, uh, Instagram, that there's a lot of uh, hostility. People, they're not really happy about it. And I understand because you've been playing a video game, which is that thing. So I understand that uh, the possible part, then uh, it'll take possibly a while or never for someone to be okay with Master Chief uh, with that helmet. Yeah, yeah I think the... Yeah, I think the I think overwhelmingly the fans of the the series have been very positive about the costume design on a whole. But when the the helmet did come off, there was a bit of an uproar. Um, huh. I do have a question though about the helmets then, because obviously you did have to make it remo- removable and stuff. So, was there challenges there with? Because I know that you're dealing with actors and um, they are probably in those helmets for a long time. Yeah. How how was that experience making a helmet that's removable but something that they'd be able to act in comfortably? I think there was the main uh, issue, but there were others. And okay. uh, going back to the helmet uh, shortly, 
the uh, mm-hmm. the um, Spartan actors they had to train not to make a lot of muscle, but they had to train to be into uh, not just the armor is the under armor. Then had a lot a lot of it's a suit, right? So it's based and made on your shape of your skin of your body. So this material is pulling every time you raise your arm. You're literally doing you know a gym thing. You're raising yeah. kilos. Everything in a resistance constantly mm-hmm. move your legs raise your leg and they had to run fast into these things so they've been trained to make that kind of strength muscle strength not to be okay. big because you never get it big enough as a spartan person so we add up muscle uh, to make the you know to proportion the shape of the height and everything but they were trained to be able to last 10 hours 9 hours 11 hours for one day for two days like 50 hours for the week and the, a month, and they, you know, so they've been trained purp- purposely to be able to act with the strength into that thing. On top of that, then there's the there's the helmet situation, which which is you know in restrictions on viewing where you're running, and then you know it's always a bit foggy in there. As for as much as technology helps, there are a lot of restrictions, and they had to really, really to work this out into that and make it look like Spartans, like comfortably. Uh, moving into, you know, they were not really, uh, um, they were not really allowed to not be comfortable and odd looking. Into that. So they've mm-hmm. gone through a lot. And after Pablo first, and I say it could have been, you know, all different, he embraced it straight away and said, You let me know what my restrictions are, I'll work around that. He said, The only thing I don't want if I raise my arm and a piece falling away from me, that would be make me nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That as long as everything stays on my body, then I'll work around that. And when every all the other cast came back, came in, he just made sure things were clear. So is the is the person is a uh, who made this working? He really uh, mm. married the cause. It was not just acting; it was really part of the project. He really wanted to make this work, um, and it was surprise a huge surprise. It made a really big share into make this uh, work. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful to see because, I mean, obviously I've had mm. experienced acting myself and some actors who are just definitely not like that. And I'm sure you've had those actors as well, Giovanni, where they're just yeah. not as willing to, <laughs> to I guess, concede to like a restriction of an outfit. Um, but with something is so big. So with, big yeah. and supportive of everything. Just like, yeah, let's do it. Like he was jumping into it kind of headstrong and ready to, to rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Which I had another thought on the helmet takeoff and the face reveal for the show if i can go down that road again real quick um i actually wrote a piece about the halo show and how happy i was with it and i mentioned the uh helmet removal and i i said in my article that for television you kind of have to have that like you said like 343 kind of said you know it's it's tv it's your business we have to kind of rip that band-aid off and show Master Chief's face because how are you going to do a TV show for who knows how many seasons where we never see his face and you need to have that connection with the character and I as a fan feel this is a perfect setup for a canon reason why Master Chief doesn't take his helmet off in the games if they go down that road we don't Mm -hmm. know yet Mm -hmm. they could they could work that into the show because the show if it's purely canon is kind of set before the games and they could very well work in a reason why Master Chief comes to a decision of I'm no longer taking my helmet off because it's just bad or I just should just keep it on at all times. So. Um, it is a, a, 
a big creative, uh, not in our level, creative, you know, show creative, uh, the decision of doing or not doing it. This must be something they talk about. Amblin, you know, and Microsoft, and I'm sure they were they had a big discussion before even involving any of us in that. But they, as you said, you said they really, you, you really graphically said we need to we need to rip. And bend it off. It's it's painful. Let me do it, and they decided to do it that way. Uh, on on this hand, I might say they want Master Chief to start defrosting mm. from senseless way to to live, start feeling taste, um, temperature. I'm not saying love. It's still early, but they wanted to, mm. uh, to show that. And I think the better way to show it is having someone whose face it doesn't show anything. To then slowly adding a bit of emotion to it. Emotion is a big word. It's mm. not world. It's not really word and world. is not really what's happening here, there. But slowly, Master Chief needs to just go back and say, okay, what's going on here? So I believe that was the whole game. More than just show someone's face. You know? yeah. could have revealed that in season two. I think they wanted yeah. to show as huma- you, the humanity we had inside is now here cracking there. And something it's about to happen. I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and I can tell you as a fan of the sh- the show and of the games, I picked up on that from the first episode. What they're what it looks like they're trying to go for in the storytelling is this is Master Chief One One Seven Spartan, where he's been fairly freshly programmed as a Spartan, mm-hmm. and he's not quite at that point of how we know him as Master Chief in the games yet. And like they, they start to hint at that, where he's like, you know. I feel something. I remember something. And it's like, as soon as I saw those scenes, I was like, Oh my God, this is like from the books. Mm -hmm. And I was very pleased that they were going down that road in the storytelling of the the show. Yeah. As I I said, (laughs) very brave creative choice has been made um, up there at some point. And uh, obviously they knew that would have disappointed a lot of, uh, you know, gamers. Then they were not happy to see that. That's, you know, when you make a choice, you need to leave. um, Sure. Someone to deal with and to see if it's going to be any better. It's polarizing for sure, mm-hmm. but I think fans of the show will, or fans of the game, will probably continue to watch the series, and it's most likely going to get even better. And then hopefully, maybe greenlit for more. What I wanted to yeah. um, ask before we close out, Giovanni, is: um, Is there anything from this project that you've learned that you'll be taking with you into future projects that really stands out to you? Because I'm sure you've learned a lot now, like coming on to your first um, sci-fi production in terms of like uh, being a uh, sci-fi costume designer based on a game. What is is there anything in particular that you're taking with you to your next project? Um, definitely the possibility of interact interface it just the habit of the communication with someone who I, I think i learned more than before since i gave a lot of credit if i work for any show i need to give credit to my creative uh, person and he wrote it and he owns that but here i was uh, dealing with someone who owned a lot of it's like you know it's like uh, books and the years of uh, games and so these people have they have some uh, within 343 there's someone who knows the geography. There's a person. It's like if it was a, a history, a history um, person. He knows exactly what happened in the in the Halo era, and like at this time. And if you go into the little uh, place, you're gonna find on the right side. This guy has a geography of the whole world of Halo, as if that exists, you know, in the reality. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. 
understanding that there is a reality, then I ignore it for many years. And it's actually, even if it doesn't resist, then reality exists some, in someone's heads. So paying respect to the knowledge of those details that they built over years, building their, you know, their success and the reality, then they know in details what screws are, you know, to mm-hmm. unscrew a world, make it another one. But then for me, it was easier uh, to un- to give credit to it. So I learned how to give credit to something that doesn't exist, basically. More than Amazing. Before. Yeah. So I can't. That's a good I- answer. Mm-hmm. And, and trust what they tell me instead of saying, okay, someone write a script here. I, I think they're, whoever's going to be the creative I'm going to deal with, I know there's a world that it's a, a, a visual graphic world that I don't see. I only need to trust them. That came by dealing with 343. Amazing. I think you did an excellent job because for any of those Halo fans out there who try to give you any negativity, I think it looks phenomenal as a Halo fan. And it's, it's just poopy (laughs) that there's so many people out there that are going to hate on it for whatever reason that they decide to hate on it. But I'm telling you as a Halo fan, long time Halo fan, I think it looks great. And it's gorgeous. Uh, You'll see more. Great. (laughs) uh, I look forward to it. So much going on. I hope to see some grunts in the near future. It again, I hope to see some grunts in the near future. Yes, one of the yes. covenants. Oh. Yeah, a lot of worlds they're going to come in and you know introduce themselves, mm. which is exciting for you. <laughs> Good challenges, new challenges to come, huh? Hopefully, yeah. well, uh, the ones I know they ha- they happened already, so you'll oh, have. Oh, I see, to- I see, <laughs> I see. So the Fantastic. rest of us will find out shortly <laughs> as it yeah. goes, very shortly, yes. Wonderful. Sweet. Dan, do you have anything else to add before we close out the show? Uh, no, I don't think so. I thank you very much for your time, Giovanni. Uh, it's been amazing hearing from you. And uh, I'm just really happy with the show so far. So keep up the great work for as long as you need to, as long as the show is able to run. I look forward to it. I wanted to, if I might, uh, thank Alessio, mm. Filippelli, who put us uh, all together. He's working really, yeah. really hard, very smart way. And, uh, really to put me in touch with uh, whoever really loves that and give, you know, for me a chance to, uh, you know, go back and see what happened for you the guys eventually to know more about it. And I'm really grateful to it. And thank you to you guys to give room to, uh, to for us to say what happened, you know, back there behind the curtains. Mm-hmm. Oh, we love to peek behind the curtain. You're welcome back anytime, Giovanni. Any Heck other yeah. project you got going, uh, Alessio, you hit us up. Thank you so much. Please. We can talk about um, it or about it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, thank you, Giovanni. I've been a fan of your work for a long time, friend. <laughs> um, so thank you, guys. Knowing. Yeah, without knowing, like, this is such a random, like, small world well, like, when I looked that we got put together Behind this curtain, as you said. That's like, cool. I was like, oh, he's worked on Penny Dreadful. He's worked on, you know, Into the Badlands. The Badlands. Like, I love all yeah. these things. I don't know. I was in all those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you again so much for your time. Um, we really appreciate it. Alessio, again, thank you so much for setting all this up. And yes. Drew as well. Till next. Ciao. Till next time. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. 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 Um, oh, yeah, what an amazing conversation. Giovanni. Yeah, what an amazing, literally what an amazing conversation. What a nice guy. I'm so glad that they've taken the time to actually come on the show and um, and, and speak with us. Our Our little show. Our little show. Our little show. Yeah. Oh, need your show. <laughs> um, so thank you so much again, Giovanni, for your time, and Alessio and Drew for setting all that up to introduce us all together. That was cool. It was a really insightful conversation, I think. Um, oh, yeah. I want to yeah, say that you... 
uh, as a fan of Halo and video games and not really like I've never put a lot of thought or time and mental energy into the idea of the people behind the scenes as far as like costume designs and things like that. It was actually in- incredibly uh, like rewarding talking to him. And if I enjoyed it a lot, like hearing his back end, his his time of going through the process of creating the suits and the research. Um, and it's I, I very much appreciate his time and coming to talk to us. I, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I agree. It's it was like really wonderful to have um that insight and I get I guess get to ask ask all of our amazing questions which he all he just answered <laughs> while it. speaking it was killing killed it we did a whole line of questions and he touched on everything like one after the other I'm like oh we've done oh, don't need yep, to ask this question yep. don't need to ask check, this question check I, check I I could have talked I could have nerded out about Halo a lot more but I felt like um I don't need to waste this man's time <laughs> nerding about halo when he he's got better things to be doing <laughs> who knows dan maybe there'll be a season two and giovanni might come back on that'd be great please maybe. giovanni come back and uh, share <laughs> yeah. some more with us especially when they that happens if they start rolling out like grunts or other of the like brutes from halo like that was something i could have asked him a little bit more about i was curious about if he had designed the outfits even for the cg characters because a lot Ooh, of the that's aliens a good question a lot of the aliens were CG in the show, but then there's parts where like if an alien blew up, they would have a physical body on the floor for like backdrop shots. I so that was that. still made. That was still physical. Mm. Giovanni, come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me get, let's get her on the phone. Get back no, um, it, it's a little bit unfortunate because I didn't see um, the first episode of Halo. It was, I think it was only limited for one week on YouTube and I had no idea there's a limited run on that. And then of course, other than that, it's available in the U.S. Paramount ah. Plus only in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, and obviously, I don't live in any other countries. So I haven't been able to watch everyone this. outside of America. I don't know. <laughs> HBO Max and Paramount Plus needs to get their act together because I'm like, come on, I want to watch this. I want to see it. So, other than clips on um, YouTube and of course the trailers and the Instagrams and the co- like, all of the kind of fresh shots that they've done of the costumes, I don't have much uh context for how they're used mm. for what they're doing on set or what like could be interesting um like yeah. even um oh sugar i forget mark mckee mckee uh mckee's character uh, charlie's character mckee like you only see a very split second of her in um in the trailer with mm-hmm. her really cool i don't even know what you would call that is it an outfit uh, armor something it's the costume and it looked so cool. And I'm so glad that we got to touch on that as well um, with Giovanni today. Yeah, overall, really insightful. Yeah. I thought it was very cool. Loved it. Yeah. So uh, wrapping us up, that's uh, you guys can follow the Replayer Podcast on CouchSoup.com. You can find us on YouTube. You can contact us at the Podcast at gmail.com. You can uh, let us know how we're doing, comments, concerns. Let us have it, anything and everything. Uh, be sure to check us out on couchsoup.com. You can listen to our show while you read some amazing articles by other contributors. Uh, and there's much to look forward to coming to Couch Soup in the future. And we are very humble to be a part of it. Thank you. <laughs> Everything Dan said, copy and paste, plus one. Love this. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. We will see you guys next time. Game over.
Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. 